is this transition a good or bad thing? You know, I, I just think it's, 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 it continues to be a, an evolution of setting this thing right. This is Sport Matters with Kenneth Shropshire and Bill Roden. From academia to media, Ken and Bill explore the edges of sport, unpacking race and culture beyond the game. Welcome to the Sport Matters Podcast. Uh, I'm Ken Shropshire. I'm the CEO of the Global Sport Institute. And I'm here with my colleague, Bill Roden. Hi there. The award-winning writer, author, professor at the Cronkite School. Big guy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, make sure the audience knows we're recording this on Thursday, and this will not drop until Tuesday. So as smart as we are, we don't know exactly what's right. going to happen. <laughs> ben Simmons could be traded or cut by then. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of things may, may occur. But uh, what did occur before we got on, the reason why we decided to go on and do this podcast in this moment, two things. The Supreme Court on June 21st, unanimously decided that athletes should have more rights. College athletes should have more rights. We'll talk about the details of that. And then also we're on the verge of name, image, and likeness laws kicking in. And now it's like seven states. The NCAA is going to have to make some big move. So we got these two things uh, coming together. You know, the the Supreme Court decision, just, just to give some of our listeners some clarity on this in case they have not followed it that closely, Basically, what the decision says is that the NCA and the member institutions can no longer restrict the dollars related to educational benefits that athletes receive. So that's postgraduate scholarships, internships, scholarships for grad school, laptops, musical instruments, maybe even awards for big grades. We don't know. We just don't know how far that's this goes. That's dangerous, but yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. $10,000 A. And, and then, and most strikingly, in the opinion, again, I'm a old law professor, so I actually read this thing, unlike many people who are reading the Reader's Digest first. Yeah. Reader's Digest still exists? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, reader. it does. Actually, it does. Does it? it does, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was looking for one in the supermarket. They always put it at the very end. Right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit on top of Snickers. The impulse buy. Yeah, yeah. Let me get Reader's Digest. <laughs> I used to read Reader's Digest. So Justice Kavanaugh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, it, it just just surprised. And I was telling Bill before the show that that it really is, you really do have to check yourself about how your politics mesh with what you think somebody will decide as a justice. And I, I've got to say, this may be my one chance to say this, Kavanaugh wrote an outstanding opinion, mm-hmm. a concurring opinion, and, and for all you, you non-lawyers, so he agreed with the majority opinion that was written by Gorsuch, the, the one that we're getting all this understanding about, this educational rights uh, and benefits. But he said, yeah, I agree with that, but I, I want to go further. Mm-hmm. And on, on the one hand, going further was essentially saying, in NCA, if you come in here again, we're going to say that athletes can be paid. Mm-hmm. And that, that's really what he, what he said to, to break it down in, in the simple language. The, the, the one thing that, that I tell people to note on that, though, is that... We should also take, well, how do you read these, these opinions that nobody else signed on with him? Mm. So his opinion does stand alone. So even though people will use it going forward, they'll, they'll also retort from the other side, yeah, but nobody signed on, on with him in terms of this, this going further. So, so there still is this, this little bit of mystery that's out there. So, so we've got this whole uh, history of what's been going on 
really going back to the O'Bannon decision that right. allowed name, name, image, and likeness in a California court, kind of the march forward, some legislation in California that then go effect until 2023, then legislation in other states, now it's six or seven, that go into effect July 1, and then we have the Supreme Court decision. So we have all this in the atmosphere saying that student athletes should have greater rights for income. So Bill, what have you been making of all this? And what have you made of, of all this activity that happened last week? Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about this. In all these years of covering athletics, I realized that most people, the vast majority of people, all they want to know is how the Georgia Bulldogs going to win. <laughs> Does this mean that Bubba can play? What is it, I mean, it, but, you know, can we still tell gay? Right. You know, very fundamental stuff. And that, one thing I was thinking about as you were reading all this stuff is what? I was reading that saying all that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you're not reading, of course not. But what would make an impact on these people I'm talking about, the people who are tailgating down in, in, in Alabama, what would make a difference? What would, what would bring this home to them? And would it be that when they're about to tailgate, they see a picture of the starting UCLA quarterback, uh, like on some big, like Budweiser poster, or, or, or they see some type of, some type of evidence of a commercialization of an athlete that they'd never seen before, of a guy in an ad or, 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 or a guy out there selling his own T-shirt, you know, having a, you know, Herschel Walker, you know, having, you know, what would make, what would bring this home to the average person who only cares whether Bubba can play and whether this makes Alabama better or, or weaker? Um, and, and I guess that's the question. Does anybody, with all this happening, your favorite player can now potentially make more money. Right. Does, yes, does, does, that, anybody, does, anybody, does, it, does that bother nine Supreme Court justices and, and, and one of those nine to, to the extreme said essentially this, this thing is very archaic. We don't care if there's greater revenues provided to these student athletes. And this is across the political spectrum. <laughs> Which is bizarre. I mean, to your point, you know, at, at a time where we've been more stratified than at any point in our history, almost, I guess, you've got nine justices agreeing on this, including some who I don't want to have anything to do with. So, <laughs> so, so you like to say, well... I'll tell you, Brett Kavanaugh is my buddy now. I'm, I want to go drink some beers with him. Isn't that what I'm <laughs> so I'm thinking, I, I think I both sides say, oh, wait a minute, what's wrong with this? Something's wrong so, with this. If he agrees that it can't be right, I, I mean, my only thing, Ken, is that you played at Stanford. I was at Morgan, and I think I think and I don't know if we've ever, I I I really respect the idea of being able to go to, get a, a college scholarship to play football or basketball. I mean, I think that is really valuable, and I'd hate to see anything that would when they just dismantle us. You know, with, with either university. You know, well, this is just too costly. We just we're getting out of this business. We we don't we don't belong in this business, and we're getting out of the business. So. Um, in terms of this thing, you, you and I have been covering this for a long time, and we both know, having been participants in it and having covered it, you know that this is on a, this this sham is built on a house of cards. Right. We're watching something that is not to say this is not this is a highly commercialized enterprise. This is not a commercial enterprise. But, but so what? What the other eight justices said is that that distinction this idea of some form of amateurism is allowable. 
that, and, and if that path is to not pay for athletic prowess, so, you know, very subtle distinction, you know, you'll pay for education, but you can't, can't pay right. for athletic prowess. That provides competition in the marketplace because that distinguishes you from the pro market. Now, this, 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 this is still very, so it's not saying that's what makes this pure or better. It's saying that's what makes that's college what sports That's what makes it different, right? That's right. what makes, and, and they, they did, uh, Justice Gorsuch again, lawyer here, read, read this thing too, too carefully, right. uh, basically said too, but you have not been clear enough you have evolved over the years and changed. Yeah. Not, a, not a positive evolution. You keep redefining what amateurism is under your model. Right. So, so in some sense, if I'm NCA, I'm going to run back if I can and give some clarity as to, to what that is. I don't know if you can. I don't know how you define that. But the court's leaving some leeway to say, we'll protect you on this amateurism thing, but except for Kavanaugh. But you got to... Give us some clarity on what you and mean. What is Kavanaugh? I mean, Kavanaugh is just saying, I mean, he's taking a step further, but what does he say? What is he saying that's drastic? I mean, he's, you know, uh, I mean, because, I mean, what's the difference between the Arizona State Sun Devils and the uh, Arizona Cardinals? Well, okay. So here, here's Kavanaugh's words. Our, our great producer, Kendall Jones, provided these. Thank you, me. Kendall. Price-fixing labor is price-fixing labor. And price-fixing labor is ordinarily a textbook antitrust problem because it extinguishes the free market in which individuals can otherwise obtain fair compensation for their work. So the fact that, in quote, so the, the fact that, that the NCA is saying, nope, you, you, it's not fair market. This, there's a limit on what you can get. That, that's the big distinction he points out. And he said, in the opinion, he has this, this great analogy. He says, look, if somehow somebody could convince us that there's a class of chefs that we should pay less than other chefs, and then we call these these other these lesser paid chefs something else, and we can fix the le the level of income they receive. Is that okay? I mean, if, if you're going to limit somebody, so think about it, if it's not athletes, if it's someone something else, right. all of a sudden you come in and say, okay, all writers. Under 45, you can't, you cannot earn more than this amount. Right. But if you're over 45, the sky's the limit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the, the bottom line is that throughout, you know, you know, whenever this, well, it's just where the student athlete has been treated different, right. differently from uh, the, uh, the, the music major, uh, the art major, the, the drama major. Then, you know, the, the, these people on campus, these entertainers, or, you know, these have, have freedoms to, to, to apply their trade, to transfer from one institution to the other. If they, like you were saying, if, you know, if, if, if a violinist wants to get a gig with a local dealers, car dealership and gets paid, you know, like $150 an hour to stay and stand in front of the dealership, where, where the athletes stand in front can't do that. Can't stand there and shake hands and get paid hundred dollars. Yeah, they can't. No, they can't do that. That's a violation. And I think that what athletes let us we're, we're playing in front of ninety thousand people, or, or you get this TV revenue. I'm part of this enterprise. I should be able, if I'm the star of the team or whatever, I should be able to partake in this. You know, and and if part of my that's here you go. If part of my deal is that I get to go, uh, I signed with Alabama. And uh, part of my deal is that I get automatic access to graduate school. You know, whenever, whenever that is, whenever I finish, 
I get graduate school, or I get this, I get, you know, and they're saying that's okay. You know, it's, the, the, the Supreme Court is saying that's okay. You cannot okay. not, you cannot not allow the coaching staff to negotiate that. And the NCAA said, but that just ruins our model. That ruins this amateur model. That so 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 let's, let's think about it. so so what will probably happen? My, my bad guess mm-hmm. is, of course, the Power Five schools right. to varying degrees will all figure out ways to do this to the extreme. Exactly, exactly. And and they'll be, you know, the Ivies will continue to do what they do. The Patriot League will kind of, well, let's figure what we want to do. Mid-majors will figure out what they want to do. But, but where the real experiment, the laboratory is going to be right. with, with the Power Five. Yeah, yeah. how are they going to cheat? How, <laughs> how are they, they going to cheat? You know, that, and, that's, and, and I think, to, to be fair, that's what the NCAA, in other words, we're a club, we're an association. Right. That we know you guys are scoundrels. You know, we know you guys are scoundrels, and that given the opportunity to cheat, you will. That's why the NCAA book grows exponentially every year. It's like it's like it's like the NCAA is that guy at the casino that stands there and watches watches over everything. Counting cards. Right. There's John Calipari counting cards again. You know, sorry, John. You know, yeah. You know, so, but but to get back to the, the basic question about what this does, I would argue that it just makes the student athlete more and more of what he and she should be, which is part of the student body. But we both know that at the highest levels, they're not really the same. They're not really the same. And the football and basketball players at revenue-producing schools are not like the average no. student, right? You can work at one student works at the library. Uh, is not going to come in class next day with a broken, a broken collarbone, you know, a broken leg, you know, or something like that. And that is always distinguished the athlete from the other student that you're also, and see, that's ultimately can, that's why it's not compatible because one, the, the, the athletic thing deals with your body where everybody else presumably deals with your intellect. So you get smarter as you get older. It's presumably. Well, yeah. let me, let me help you, Mr. $40 million slave. Now, you know, there's, there's a great intellect involved in, in, in sporting activities as, as well. I mean, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I guess. You, you, we go back to chapter five, talking about brain versus brawn and, and your early analogies of, of, uh, of boxers and, and how all of a sudden boxers went from, from uh, uh, the sweet science to Jack Johnson women when to, oh, well, you know, it, it's all, you got to be a brute to win, win this. Right, this so I didn't read that chapter. <laughs> I, just, I just wrote it. Just wrote it. <laughs> you, you're Charles, Charles Barkley with Roy Johnson. Uh, I, I didn't read it. I was misquoted. I was misquoted. That's probably the first great Charles Barkley. That, that, was that put him on the map. <laughs> I was misquoted. About yeah, but I mean, I, no, I, I, I was being a little facetious, but uh, it, you know, to kind of get back, I think that this ruling essentially tries to place the student-athlete with his fellow students. In other words, you should not be penalized by being a student-athlete. You know, uh, but, but although we're talking, like, to your point, this is going to open the door for more change. My question to you, though, is will, does this open the door for, for athletes, you know, even coaches, let's say coaches, let's say coaches, coaches whose careers were ruined, because they gave extra benefits to student athletes, you know, can they now go back and say, well, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, Kelvin Sampson at, at Oklahoma, he got banned for five years because of texting. Well, now texting is totally okay. okay. So if I'm a coach, can I come back and sue 
you know, so say, well, you know, you ruined my career because of these rules. Now you're saying it's okay. Well, I, I think I think two things. I mean, in, in the law, and, and these aren't these aren't well, this ruling is law, but what the NCA does with its rules, it, it's not law. It's, it, it's, right. but, but it's principle in law uh, about laws being retroactive once there's there's a change or a new determination, and, and how far back you have to provide compensation or not. So this, this court didn't say anything about that. So, so there potentially is some kind of action. Um, and, and that's what the law basically says in legislation or otherwise, you need to state specifically how you want this to apply. So we, we don't have that, that kind of guidance. I, I do think we'll see, you know, where, where the next lawsuit's gonna come, yeah. we're gonna see some lawsuits like you're describing that, well, it, it was okay all along anyway. Exactly. So, it was always okay. So I want to I want to get compensated. This right. whole idea of name, image, and likeness rights being awarded. Well, they've always had the right. It, it, it's And now the rule just doesn't penalize you for exercising that right. Right, right. How could that have been right? It was never right. It was, it, was, it was never right, you know. So, yeah, so I'm just wondering about what kind of doors does this open? What kind of Pandora's box does uh, this is open? Well, um, I think, and they're, you know, we talked about this a little bit. I think they're extremes. I think those things are certainly possible. Anybody that's been penalized in this space for something that is now okay could potentially bring some kind of action. You know, somebody like me that played, you know, 50 years ago, right. if I wanted to go to grad school now, could I make some argument that I should have been allowed to negotiate for that or receive that? Right. So let me bring some action, you know, not likely. But some of these more re- more current things are much more likely and are certainly possible. So, so we're going to see some of that. The other, other thing you know, I wanted to ask you about, uh, two things. One, the impact on HBCUs, good or bad, just overall, your thoughts on that? I think it could be good. I know a lot of people, we just talked about it earlier today, a lot of people said, oh, this is going to kill, this is going to really hurt HBCUs. And at first, I said, yeah, because that's your, your, anything that happens is going to hurt HBCUs. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, if I'm, you know, the people who Morgan's recruiting in Hampton, we, we're not necessarily being recruiting the same people Alabama's recruiting. So what's to stop them from working out you know, deal with me that I can go to Morgan will pay for me to go to graduate school right. or, or, you know, get an internship or something that, that's allowed. You know, maybe I don't get the same amount of money, but I just think we're talking about two different spheres. And uh, if, 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 if the HBCUs uh, one, like you mentioned a great idea of, of Deion Sanders at Jackson State and Eddie George at, at Tennessee State, and they want to they want to spread their celebrity to certain like star quarterback or whatever. We can now make commercials together, or we could do right, some. Right here's Deion selling cornflakes, and he's brought the entire team right. team with him in a commercial. Yeah, and they all get broken off. So they, they get, they get, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. Like, Dion's doing those subway commercials. Oh, right. This is going to be a stretch. But just for the sake of argument, <laughs> Dion, <laughs> you know, bring some in. Dion's going to be magnanimous. Yeah, he goes, <laughs> yeah, now we know this a lot, but Dion, think about it. You know, <laughs> you know, bring some of these young kids onto the subway commercials, you know, uh, and the other commercials you do, or right. Eddie do whatever commercial you do. Hey, I'm going to bring some of my players, my star quarterbacks, going to do like a subway commercial. So it can happen in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I think that's, that's the point. The, the other group that I want to ask you about, it, because what we do have throughout all this is, is Title IX and, and women's rights and, and equal benefits, et cetera, continue to apply. Have, have you thought through at all what issues we might encounter there? Just now. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually when you do your best work. <laughs> but no, but just you bringing that up means that I, what I thought about, man, this is like a this could be a potential nightmare for compliance directors and ads. You know, because whatever things people come up with, you know, the men, you know, the men, you know, the men are already at work thinking, how do we make it? Well, but now, and I don't know, but if you, if it is an individual, in other words, if the, if the University of Georgia does something for men or Jackson State, if Dion can bring his, his kids onto the subway commercial, now do the women does that money have to be split? Yeah, that's a great. So, 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 so Title IX talks about dollars and opportunity. Right. So if you provide the same opportunity, you're, you're probably uh, not subject to any, any problems. But, it, but in this process, for example, if you provide some NIL education on, on how the student athlete can more greatly monetize themselves, you've right. got to have equal percentages of, of men and women in there representative of, of your institution. Right. So so that's there. The idea of if outside the university on their own, they get greater opportunities, you know, women get more than men or whatever it might be. I don't think that that's a problem. It's, it's the institution itself. Right. It, it has to have their, their hand up. So in terms of these educational benefits, they have to be equal. Yeah, yeah. In other words, I'll you graduate school, you know, so that, that, that's the, I think that's the easy part. Uh, and, and just the image that remember in the day they have all these in the bookstore, you go to the bookstore and you see all these jerseys, you know, that have to correspond with players on the team, on the men's and women's team. Right. You know, now that has to be, you know, monetized or I don't know that, you know, it, that, that's interesting. What kind of formula do you can maybe they don't do that. Maybe they do away with that of, of, of not selling jerseys in the bookstore. You know, uh, well, I mean, the, the conclusion, you, you said it right. The compliance officers now have a new challenge right. in terms of making sure this is all handled directly. This is why the consulting business in this space, this whole name, image, and likeness, and now the implementation of these educational rights dollars, right. uh, it, it's going to be some, some tremendous shifting around. It's going to be interesting, too, to see how NCA enforcement operates in trying, as you say, trying to be the, the, the croupier has got to scoop right. stuff up. But whoever the security guy is, is watching the table, right. the NCA has got a, a, they need a lot more cameras now and, and some computers in the background to figure out, is this okay? Right, right. The book, the, the rule book is going to continue to expand because like you said earlier, guarantee they're already figuring out how do we, how do we, make this accrue to our advantage. Well, and, and, and so let, let's talk about one, one more thing and then, then we'll, we'll close out unless you have some, some other ideas on this. So, so the, the one cheating thing that I keep hearing about, and I shouldn't call it cheating, but we don't know if it's cheating yet, is some version of you received, no, we will pay you $10,000 for every A you receive as a student athlete. We are attempting to motivate your educational success. That's, you're just on the face of it, that just sounds. <laughs> just, just on the face of it. That just you're, not, you're not, oh, what about 5,000? Okay, that works. Yeah. 5, how, how much do I get for a C? For a C. <laughs> 
And then you get a D, you got to pay school. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that's the thing. If you get, anybody, if you get a D, you got to pay us. <laughs> and so then you become unrecruitable. The coach says, no, no, don't recruit that guy. <laughs> you're going to recruit this kid? You're, costing me, you're literally costing me money. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think, well, I don't want to say never. Never say never. But I think that's the kind of thing that's on the, on the fringe of what, we may see people try and do. I mean, the idea of, of you know, the, the court says you can buy computers. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of computers. From our family? And they left us from our entire family? And by, and by the way, again, you know, a lot of it's going to the category, the Don King category, the, the catching comes before the hanging, because we, we have versions of this already of athletes have always gotten tickets and always found ways to sell them. Right. With the rules saying you can't sell them. But I, I, I only imagine there's going to be a secondary market for computers. <laughs> there's, going to be, there's going to be some of that kind of activity going on, too. So, you, you, would, you know, student athletes would see if you get, I don't know how many tickets you get per game. Now, I think it's five or four. I think it's four. So you get that many per game. I, I will tell you, for a student athlete, the calculation is how much, that's how much cash walking around money I get per game. Because I, I didn't get those tickets to my boy to go out and, and scalpel. So you're saying they can sell the computers now? Well, who's I'm, getting, just, who's I'm, getting just, I'm just exploring. Yeah. I have no, you know, of course, I, I've never operated in this realm, so I don't know, but I'm, I'm just exploring what some of the possibilities. I'm just like, and, and, and again, the kind of, like you said, the rule is going to expand. Exactly. And, and what, what are you going to do with it? Exactly. Five, it'll be five years from now when we find out. Well, right now, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know because of coaches, recruiters, and boosters. See, this brings boosters back in play. See, now the boosters come back. The guy who owns the, you know, again, we're we're flying blind right now, but trust me, two or three years when these things, these violations start coming out, you know, you know, so. Okay, final question. Yeah. Overall, where we were. play. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we we know that's what the fan thinks now. But but overall, is, is this transition a good or bad thing? You know, I, I just think it's, 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 it continues to be a, an evolution of setting this thing right. Because we know that what we have been watching, you go see, you know, Sanford, USC play in front of 50,000 people. We see these national championship games, the Final Four. We're not looking at it at a, at a non-commercial educational enterprise. This is a highly commercialized enterprise that, that, that the participant should be able to participate in. There should be revenue sharing. So, yes, I just think this continues to take us a step forward to unravel. It's almost like apartheid, you know, like every step, like unraveling apartheid, you know. Uh, So, yeah, I I think it's basically a good thing that brings us toward the logic. Yeah. And and in in the evolution of college sports, I, I, I agree with you. Evolution of college sports, 1903, 4, 5, whatever it was, Teddy Roosevelt calls to be meeting the former NCAA because there have been X number of deaths right. on, on the football field. So that's the first reformation that pulls, pulls together college sports. 1929, there's the, the Carnegie Foundation report. And, and they say, almost like a, the Tocqueville thing, says, what does all this pageantry and sport have to do with education? Yeah, this is the Carnegie Foundation, nothing. Then 1948 or 49, there's a, a whole reformation. And it's just, I just remember it because the name of it. And it, it's called 
because so much corruption is going on, it's called the sanity code. Mm-hmm. So they, they thought in, in 48 or 49 that we're going to bring sanity to college sports. So this happens over and over and over again. So, so now we're at a point, you know, people will look back at 2021 and they'll say it was the, the Austin Supreme Court decision and right. NIL. Right. So, so maybe there won't be a dramatic move forward, but it'll be an incremental move in this, this whole and, line and, of and, progress. And to ask you, and what's been the basis of each of these, from, from the White House to the Sanity Report to this, what has been the rationale? What, why, in each of why has this been called into it? What is it, what is this trying to remedy? What 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 about this enterprise? You know, trying to run. So from from the forty eight on, it's been about fairness and cheating. So more what you're talking about, more the the casino kind of right. oversight. Initially, it was it was safety, and then you know the, the Carnegie was more of a pointy headed. Let's figure out what this college sports thing is all about. Right. So, but, but from that from those two forward, after that, it's this is the first moment where there's been language that really says something like, you know, when you when you uh, you take these family law courses, and you now I know the shortcut to pass every law school course. <laughs> the, the answer to every question on the exam in a family law course is what's in the best interest of the child. It's always what's in the best interest of the child. You, professor, asks me anything. You say, well, I, let me think about what's in the best interest of the child. But you know, father's beaten the. the what's in the best interest of the child. So this is the first time that there's something that seems to begin to say what's in the best interest of the student-athlete, which which really, to me, is is the model that this should be built around. Right, right, that's great. That's great. That's a great summation. Uh, As you're talking, I was thinking, are we going to see, you know, the University of Alabama plays in the Arby's commercial, you know, know, or in a McDonald's commercial. I mean, I think that that would bring all this kind of home mm. to like the average person, like we said, to see Dion's players at Jackson State in a in a in a uh, subway commercial, you know, because everything you know everything else is sort of in the abstract. But uh, and, and what and what a recruiting tool that could be uh, for, that when you talk about HBCUs, what what a turnaround there could be. And then then it, there's more clarity about this idea of hiring celebrity coaches at HBCUs. That's right. That's right. Could you, could you imagine? I just could you imagine that. You know, I mean, I know that this ruling didn't necessarily have to do with that. You know, it had to do with other benefits, educational right. benefits. But, but this whole this arena that we're into now has to do with that. Eddie George, all his leveraging, all of his commercial endorsements. Deion Sanders, all of his commercial endorsements to like you know recruit athletes. But but, but this is as, as we close. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the kind of thing that we need to think about. This is the kind of thing that that that's occurring in this, in this new day. I mean, right, the, the, one of the, so the tangential piece to it is that celebrity athletes as they retire have greater value if they can bring that to so these institutions. Right. Right. And trust me, John Calipari is already thinking about <laughs> this. He's already thinking about, and any coach should, how, okay, can I do, what can I do to leverage, you know, my celebrity to recruit these young kids, you know, the, the promise of TV, you'll be on radio, you're going to have your own podcast, you know, or the kids themselves to think about, yeah. you know what, I'm going to create my own commercial, I don't know. But. So Bill, uh, in conclusion, uh, I want to remind our listeners that recording this on Thursday, so if we say anything that sounds crazy on Tuesday, 
how would we know? But if we said something that sounds very prescient, yeah. that's the kind of guys we are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Bill, thank you. Take Until next time. Until next time. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. <laughs> this show is brought to you by Global Sport Matters. Subscribe to the Global Sport Matters podcast now wherever you listen. This episode was produced by me, Kendall Jones, Manager of Events and Programs at the Global Sport Institute. And huge thanks to our sound design and editor, Sam Esparza and Big U Music. Global Sport Matters podcast is a production of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Our Manager of Marketing and Communications is Chris Al Valencia. Our Digital Communications Specialist is Brendan Clean. And our Marketing and Communications Assistant is Natalie Skegan. To stay up to date on the latest from the Global Sport Matters team, follow us on Twitter. We're at Global Sport MTRS. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter on our website by clicking on the envelope icon at globalsportmatters.com. <laughs>